Hello, everyone, and welcome to Conversations with Salary Network. I'm Angela, the podcast host. Thank you for joining us. We're so excited to be here. Tune into our podcast for inspiration, motivation, and education on finance from business owners, financial experts, and students who are just like me and you. On episode six, we have our very own company attorney, Ross Pitkoff. How are you? Doing well, thank you. So, uh, Ross practices everything from business, securities, to even fashion and design law. Um, he has extensive knowledge in all of the fields, and I think it, he could provide some great inspiration to an aspiring lawyer or really to anyone in the corporate field. Um, so I did want to start with, um, how did you decide to become a lawyer? Um, did you kind of have like a light bulb moment or, you know, did you have to think about it thoroughly? And um, what experiences guided you into, the, into that career choice? Sure, and thank you for having me. Um, you know, I really was always interested in things such as history, the Constitution of the United States. Um, in fact, funny enough, when I was in high school, the only course I did very well in was American history and then world history. And I think part of the reason for that was is there was a study of the rule of law. So from a very young age, I just sort of had this interest and focus on how are we governed as people. And this led um, to me starting to focus more on philosophy in college and learning about the polis and learning about um, institutions and structures for the ancient Greeks and structures for the ancient Romans. And at some point when I was in college, I decided I'd sit for the LSATs, which is the exam Mm -hmm. one needs to take before entering into law school. And then I wound up at Fordham Law School in New York City. Oh, wow. And how was, how was your experience in college, in law school? My experience in college? Um, well, college and law school were very different. Mm-hmm. I think college started off with um, maybe a little bit more partying than I'd like to admit. <laughs> right. Um, but it ended with being a very focused student, um, focused again on history-related right. courses, philosophy, and then um, political philosophy as well. Right, right. Law school was a very cerebral time of life. Um, we took a lot of courses that required a lot of reading, a lot of studying. Extensive hours of studying, right? Yeah. Yes. You had some very competitive students who would hide legal books just so that the other students oh. couldn't get to them for preparation for right. exams. But um, it was a good experience, and I'm very happy where Great. And um, so what would you say is your area of expertise? I know you practice many laws, but what would you, you know, what is your, yeah, what is your area of expertise? Sure. So we, I initially started as a litigator, meaning that I would go to court, that mm-hmm. I would uh, handle people's cases, that right. I would argue before judges, and ultimately, if we get to the point of trial, that's what how is that a how case a lot out. of lawyers start, um, or. It depends. Mm-hmm. There's there's really, uh, I would say, two separate categories. Some are litigators, meaning they do focus on going to court and right. representing clients in that mm-hmm. forum for dispute resolution. And others will start off as corporate attorneys, meaning that they're drafting documents and doing the transactional work. Mm-hmm. Now, litigators tend to say they make the best transactional attorneys because they're always in court finding all the issues that happen with the corporate documents that the corporate attorneys maybe did or didn't quite right. get correct. But um, that's sort of a joke that amongst litigators. <laughs> so for me, um, our practice and my firm does commercial litigation, meaning mm-hmm. we deal with a lot of business-related disputes, securities fraud disputes, issues arising uh, out of contracts and agreements. Right. And we also now do corporate work as well. So we do draft private placement memorandums. We do get companies ready for capital raises. We set up their businesses and um, deal with all the agreements that a company really needs to function day to day. And um, 
that's why you are a company lawyer, right? That is correct. <laughs> so can you describe your experience with working with us and working with, you know, Justin and, how, you know, how that is? Sure. Working with Celery has been great. I think uh, Justin is a fantastic leader. I know he's done a great job for the company itself. Mm -hmm. And I think he's really done a fantastic uh, job of getting the business set up. I know that uh, when I first came into the office, it was very small, and I've seen it grow and grow um, really over the course of a few right. months. And I know he's done an excellent job of deal flow and getting various customers signed up so that they can go ahead and acquire yep. either student or business loans. And I really can't say anything other than he's done a fantastic job. And speaking of student and business loans, have you ever taken those? I took out student loans mm -hmm. for law school. I was fortunate. I'm sure it was a lot. <laughs> it was significant. <laughs> yeah. uh, we're talking about six-figure loans here. Right, yeah. And, um, but it has paid off. It absolutely has paid off. I'm still paying them off, but it has paid <laughs> That's off. That's another story, right? And um, I really came out um, at the time right after the crash of uh, 2008. Mm -hmm. um, or excuse me, I was in law school. Um, I started right after 2008. Mm -hmm. And um, because of that, all we could get access to as students were the federal Stafford loans, which had a fixed um, interest rate oh. at 8.5%. Oh, wow. yeah. So um, I and my colleagues do have a lot of fun with paying back those uh, government-regulated re uh, student loans, but nevertheless, we're paying them back and right. we're all in various different payment policies. Right. Um, and so now you recently started a digital marketing agency really just recently yes. um and this new venture it's called you're gonna help me pronounce it res ipsa sure res, res ipsa, ipsa marketer correct um and it's um it's a digital marketing for attorneys and um so can can you just talk more about that it seems very very interesting and you know um that it, it also involves the digital marketing part so um how, how is that going Sure. So uh, recipsa marketer, uh, most lawyers and law students are familiar with the term, with the term um, recipsa right. locator, which means the thing speaks for itself. And it arose out of common law through mm -hmm. uh, one of the justices in New York, I believe, mm -hmm. um, who basically was trying to figure out a way to suggest that there is liability in a case where um, nobody actually saw what happened. Right. So the thing speaks for itself. So Recips and Marketer is sort of play on those words. It's a digital marketing agency for attorneys. That speaks for itself. Correct. Our, <laughs> right. our success speaks for itself. Mm -hmm. And what we do is is we help attorneys generate business by running Google ads, mm -hmm. Facebook and Instagram retargeting, and um, LinkedIn ads on their behalf to go wow, ahead and get great. them new business. Great. And um, um, so now going back into your you know, career, um, what being a lawyer, what skills do you think that um, a lawyer should should possess? And I, I know you're going to say arguing, but except for that. You know what? Arguing was actually not, <laughs> not one of the things I was going to suggest. <laughs> okay. So I think there are different types of attorneys out mm -hmm. there in terms of personality and skills. Mm -hmm. And it really does come down to your skill sets. Right. And it, it's hard for a young, either a law student or a very young attorney sometimes to know what those are. Right. Um, you can, for example, have a great research analyst who's just fantastic at researching law, figuring out what the best cases are to support a position mm -hmm. and going ahead and providing that law to a great legal writer. Right. Often those can be the same person. So sometimes if you find that you're a really good writer, you may be great for litigation, writing motions, making arguments to the court, and positioning yourself so that you can hopefully win when a judge reads your papers right. and has to make a decision. Does, is this like a? Does this take a long time to to figure out? You think, or is it something that's just? 
I think it takes some time. Mm-hmm. I My advice would be, and, and I guess I'll also say that some attorneys are good orators, and the mm-hmm. orators are the ones that you want to be before judges who can take the arguments or at least the legal um, arguments on paper and explain them in a very simple way to the court because right. often the court doesn't, doesn't have time right. to read through every mm-hmm. single piece of paper that's been submitted. Um, and then there's attorneys that usually are good communicators, and right. they're the ones that you want to get new business to be able to speak to prospective clients to take a very complex case and to break it down very simply for them and to say, it sounds like this is what's happening. This is a path that I suggest to lead right. you to the resolution you want. Um, so I know you had asked a follow-up question, which I'm not sure I quite answered with that, but I'd be happy to. Um, well, I, I would want to know what, you know, what is the best um, advice you would give to a future lawyer that's listening? I know you gave some great advice, but, um, you know, what, what do you think that is? I would say to figure out what it is you're passionate about right. in life, um, aside from arguing, though that may be one thing that a, <laughs> right. a, yeah. a soon-to-be attorney might have an interest in. But focus on something you really enjoy and then try and get yourself into that field of law. So if it's fashion and design, if you're right. into clothing and design, speak to a fashion law attorney or an intellectual property attorney. If you're Get some insight. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. If you're very into the financial services world or you have a, you're a business major mm-hmm. and you're you know into stocks and trading, um, go to a securities law firm. Right. And um, if you're a student or you're younger, I would actually call up attorneys at these firms um, or send them an email just letting them know they what actually, it is you do. Would they actually respond? <laughs> I, I think know many would. You guys I are would. very busy. We are. It's true. But, you know, I do find there are certain people that to this day mm-hmm. I still remember and still communicate with because when I was very young, I reached out to them wow. and they took yeah. the time to get back to me. So if someone reaches out to you, you'll respond. Yes, <laughs> okay. I will do my best to respond. Right. It does happen sometimes where right. things fall through the cracks. But I've had a number of uh, prospective students and um, law students reach out to me and I have responded. So how would you suggest small business owners um, be aware or prepare regarding business law? Well, I, I think first and foremost, it depends on the type of business that you're involved in. Uh, mm-hmm. Number one is, of course, you want to make sure that you have all licenses that are required in your field of practice. So right. if you're in financial services, do you need to be registered as a broker-dealer? If yes, then you need to go ahead and register with FINRA. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were involved as a real estate um, mortgage broker, then same thing. You have right. to make sure you're properly registered. Um, But just sort of on the more general level, I'd say Mm -hmm. that every small business should make sure that they incorporate, whether it's a limited liability company or Mm -hmm. as a corporation or an S-corp. Like LLC or a corp, right? Yeah. Correct. Mm -hmm. And of course, when you do that, you'll get an EIN, which is a Mm -hmm. tax ID number. So that way the business is established separate from the individual. And you'll also have a limited liability. So that way, for example, if you're ever sued in court or if there's an issue of that nature, uh, you won't be held personally liable for the debts of the company. Mm Yeah, and I find that a lot of uh, new businesses often um, avoid doing this and they wind up getting in trouble because now their personal assets are actually at risk. So if they have a home in their name, they could have a potential lien on their property, their bank accounts could potentially be Mm -hmm. accessed in the event that a judgment's issued against them, and it's highly problematic. So I'd say first and foremost, get your company set up. Uh, Number two is if you're looking to raise capital, you're going to want to be mindful of the securities laws. Mm -hmm. So you're certainly going to want to speak with somebody who could guide you on that front, create the proper uh, documents for you. Mm -hmm. And then um, if you're going to be a brick and mortar shop, you're going to need a commercial lease. Mm -hmm. So typically you want to make sure that that's negotiated properly with the landlord. So that way you don't wind up getting stuck and being on the hook as a guarantor five Mm -hmm. years later when your business isn't earning the income that you anticipated it would be. Uh, Moreover, beyond that, I would say that every 
every um, every owner that starts hiring employees wants mm -hmm. to have employment agreements in place. They'll also want to have uh, independent contractor agreements available, so that way if they're hiring someone as a contractor and not an employer, right. meaning that they're not uh, mm -hmm. supervising and controlling the contractor, they have those various agreements on hand and they know that they're protected and that it's very clear what the roles and responsibilities like are. Like a handbook. A manual's good. Like a manual. Correct. Right, right. I think that should mm -hmm. be an addition, so mm -hmm. you do want an employee manual in addition to contracts. Um, and then just being um, having contracts with your vendors, service providers, whatever it may be. Or if everything should be on orders. paper. Correct. Always having everything on paper. Mm -hmm. And if you do that, you'll be in a stronger position down the road. If there's ever anything uh, that goes wrong, then you can, of course, cover yourself and protect yourself. Right, right. Um, and I will say, too, yes. it's also important to have non-disclosure agreements available mm -hmm. to ensure that that way, if you're providing confidential, proprietary, or trade secret information from your company to another yeah. company to perform business on your behalf, you'll always yeah, want to be sure you tip. have those documents right. available. Right, right. Um, now I'm going to go into something fun. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> no more law talk. So... Um, we want to know a fun fact about you. A fun fact about yes. me. Maybe something that a lot of people don't know about you, something you like to share. Sure. I play guitar. Oh. And I musician. used to play often. Correct. Mm -hmm. uh, I used to actually uh, do singer-songwriter stuff, so I'd play in the village at a couple mm -hmm. places. I'd play at some restaurants in college. Right. I don't play nearly as much as I used to, <laughs> yeah. but nevertheless, it's a, it's a fun part of my life. And did you did you do this when you were younger as well, or is just something that um, you you know you did in college? Or I started on piano when I was about six or seven, and I shifted to the guitar around twelve or thirteen. So it's been a long time. Right, right. I have the musical notes in my head. <laughs> so what do you do when you lose a case, and how do you deal with it? And um, what kind of advice would you give to someone that does lose a case? Well, frankly, I'm fortunate enough to say, knock on wood, I've never lost a case oh, before. Oh, you've never lost a case. Okay. It's never happened. Uh, having said that, I would say, uh, as an attorney, you do kind of go through a lot of ups and, uh, ups and downs right. where you have to kind of feel out what your position is in a case, how strong mm -hmm. your case is, and then go ahead and come up with a plan towards a resolution. Um, so I would say for an attorney or a young law student that's maybe doing a mock trial mm -hmm. to always kind of evaluate after every single case that you handle what could I have done better mm -hmm. what didn't go right what right. did go right and to learn from your mistakes um, it's really all about mindset if you're the type of person that says well I made a mistake and you seek to blame other people though saying well my client didn't give me this information or the adversary wasn't fair or the judge wasn't fair to me you won't really get better but if right. you reflect look into yourself and say what can I have done maybe I should have asked my client more questions for his or her deposition to glean more information and I would have been better positioned moving forward, then I think over time you'll be in a position to succeed. Right. And do you kind of have a sense of where the, I'm sure you do, where the case is going and then I'm sure then you would probably settle, right? Is that what? It really depends. Um, if we're representing a defendant, for example, mm -hmm. and we're in a position where um, as the facts start to come out, we recognize that if a plaintiff is trying to allege certain claims um, and it looks like they're probably going to be able to achieve their goal, then oftentimes it will make sense to talk to your to, client right. and be very realistic to say, mm -hmm. this is what we anticipate would happen if we went before a jury and we tried right. the case. Having said that, it's really the client's choice right. to decide if they'd like to take that. And risk. what do most clients, um, I mean, I'm sure it varies, but are, do they, they probably follow your advice, right? And just go with what you, what you tell them. 
Correct. Yeah. Yes. I mean, mo- most cases do settle. That's the reality. Right. Sometimes they do go to trial. Um, mm-hmm. But um, again, I'm fortunate enough to say that I've never been in a position where I've, I've lost a case. That's amazing. Okay. Um, well, thank you so much. And it was a pleasure having you. Thank you very much. For more episodes and podcast announcements, visit our website and be sure to follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr. All episodes will also be shared on our YouTube account in video version. Be sure to subscribe to our channel.